when when they plant that, those areas we have uh, little spaces in between you know the the, the the corn and the wheat where there's tall grasses and all and then, then we had a, a quail point there it was a flatland and uh, we were lucky enough to make a good slip it was a long slip it was like probably I don't know like 400 meters and uh, the the hawk cut his a male uh, bob white uh, under some cacti so it was interesting to get get him out and uh, but uh, luckily my friend Gerardo which is who is much smaller than I am, he crawled in and grabbed my hawk and it was all fun. Hey, how's it going everyone? Welcome back for another episode of the Falconry Toll Podcast and what is now the conclusion of our second series featuring falconers from Mexico. I'm so happy that I got a chance to go back down and do another series and I know there's still so many falconers that are in Mexico that are doing great things that I haven't got a chance to talk to and, and share their stories but hopefully there will be more opportunities in the future. But the concluding episodes for these series are always bittersweet, and it's always nice to kind of revisit for the last time the memories and the different experiences that I got to see and, and then in turn share with you all. So once again, I'm, I'm very happy and also very thankful to the North American Falconers Association and the Falconry Fund for their small grants program. As I've mentioned many times before, without that small grants program and other programs like it, opportunities like this will be much harder to come by and be much harder to be able to do. So thank you all again so much for your continued support in that regard. If you want to find out more information, become a member, or donate to either organization, just head to n-a-f-a.com for the North American Falconers Association and falconryfund.org for the Falconry Fund. And this concluding episode of our second series featuring falconers from Mexico brings you all Eduardo Garcia, a.k.a. Lalo. You all heard him previously doing the translating for our episode featuring Leonardo Santana. And I'm very appreciative for that. Without him and Jerry doing the translating for a couple of these episodes, I feel like we would have missed out on a lot of cool stuff to share. So I'll always be appreciative of that. And like I said, I'm very appreciative to Eduardo and Jerry for all they did for me the week that I was down there. I had a great time and I'm glad to have gotten a chance to share all these experiences with you all. And that being said, we will go ahead and turn things over to this conversation with Eduardo, and he'll share with you some of his experiences with various species as well as dogs, particularly Vigilas, which you'll hear about here shortly. So all that being said, I really hope that you enjoyed this series, and here we go. I'm officially on my last night here in Mexico for round two or part two, I should say, for this Mexico series. And well, Eduardo, you got lucky. You got lucky because I had enough time after checking out these amazing pyramids and stuff today. And, um, you know, come to find out we had some, uh, technical difficulties and whatnot. Uh, and, uh, overall just weren't really happy with take one. So we're going to try this again on take two and yeah, man, um, it's kind of a, a little bit of a, a bittersweet, you know, at the end of, 
of any new little trip or excursion, you know, it's always nice to return home and, you know, get back to the, to the norm, get back to the family and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, I'll miss you guys. It's been a, it's been a fun week and I'm glad that I got a chance to meet you all. And, um, like I said, man, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked about how the, the week went and, uh, yeah, man, I'll always be thankful for that. Well, I'm really glad. And, uh, and I want you to know that we, we also have had a good time and, uh, we love to have having you here and hopefully you, you'll, uh, come visit more often and enjoy uh this this part of uh mexico that it's it's gonna be always a second home for you and uh yeah thanks again for for the opportunity the second one for the second time <laughs> i mean uh i wasn't sharp uh the other day but uh yeah uh thanks again for you know the invitation and uh just be sure you have a friend here yeah man no it's great yeah and i mean like i said i'll always be thankful and and um you know, I, at least I got to experience, as you guys so aptly put it, the um, the full Mexican experience. You know, and uh, <laughs> got to well, see some interesting things this week. <laughs> here, here uh, in central Mexico, I mean, Mexico is a big country, and you you got to see uh, some cool stuff that we have going on here, and uh, uh, especially that that trip to the pyramids. I think it should it should have been pretty eye opening and. Uh, showed you a little bit of what uh, Central Mexico and the whole, um, you know, Mesoamerican uh, um, culture is. So good thing you, you got to experience that and uh, hope you had a good time. Yeah, yeah. That was definitely the icing on the cake to the, um, you know, the, uh, <laughs> how do I put this? The, oh, the Mexican police uh routine traffic stop is that is that the best way to probably put uh, that <laughs> yeah uh, good thing you it only took like a couple minutes for you guys and uh, yeah. it wasn't that bad but um uh, it's 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 a it's a it's a highlight or well, not, not not a highlight but um something you you'll take as a as a good memory now that you passed it and the, and nothing really awful happened but uh yeah i mean that's that's uh somehow how we are used to roll here you know and uh yeah police uh, need more training yeah <laughs> yeah no it is what it is man and like i said it, it was fine it's just uh you know it, it's it's kind of funny because you know you 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 kind of doze off and then you wake up and the last thing you kind of expect to see is just like a bunch of police kind of surrounding the truck and and uh you know having everybody get out and stuff and i was just like well you know okay this, uh, so this is that. That's that's how this is gonna go. That's cool. That's yeah. <laughs> good thing. Yeah, you you all ended up uh, being friends with them, and uh, now we can call them. And if something <laughs> happens, and surely uh, everything will be alright right from now on. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all good. But yeah, between that and uh, you know the Kiss Lounge and you know the. Um, the other cool restaurant you you took you took me to the other the other night it was, uh, it's all good times yeah fun fun times but yeah. uh but yeah man um you know as far as i know it's been kind of a, a rough week for you and your hawking in particular and we've we've joked about it several times over the week and stuff but uh but you know i mean i one thing i'm, I'm always happy to to do is is meet other guys that are really you know so ate up with with falconry that you know they feel like they need to or want to get out you know almost every day if they can and 
you know, I definitely, you know, put you in that category. You're pretty, you're pretty hardcore, you know, hawker when it comes to, when it comes to that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I commend you, you know, for, for being that, that driven and yeah, man, I mean, and on average, how many, I mean, do you really try to get out like pretty much every single day if you can? Well, at least to exercise them. Yes. And, yeah. um, that, you know, do a couple, you know, long flights and get them ready for, for the probably, I mean, if, if we had a good hunt uh, a day before and, uh, we just need to do some adjustment in the weight and, and, and we'll take time to, to do that. And, and in that particular day that we're like taking it easy and not hunting, but, uh, yeah, pretty much every day. And, um, I think it's beneficial for, uh, especially for exhibitors, you know, because they, they, they get to stretch, stretch their wings and, uh, you know, uh, move little and like get their minds clear because they need that. <laughs> but yeah, pretty much every day. And, uh, I mean, only the days we definitely cannot go out, uh, we'll just, uh, feed them and that's about it. But that happens probably once or twice a month. So yeah, we, we try to get out as much as we can. It's always nice meeting other people that, like I said, that, that are really good about that. And, you know, I mean, I, I, it's not like it's, it's horrible if you can't, you know, I mean, I, there's, I talk with plenty of people that mainly can just get out on weekends and things like that and whatever, but they're very, you know, very into it and very passionate about it. And, um, you know, they, you know, are, are very, very gung ho about making sure that they maximize their time. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it goes without saying, and we've, we can't say it enough that, you know, if you don't have the time and you don't have the drive, then you just really shouldn't do it, you know? Well, thank you very much for uh, the commendation and the, like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm flattered. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all good, man. But yeah, I mean, currently right now you're flying, you know, uh, Harris Hawks and, and Goss Hawks, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. So, I mean, out of the two, do you still mainly prefer the, the Harris Hawks or? <sighs> yeah, I enjoy both, but yeah, if you make me choose, I'll probably choose a hard look because I don't know. No, it depends on, on on the on how you feel at that particular time. But um, I, I I mean I like all kinds of falconry, of falconry as I said before. Uh, but the ones I enjoy the most is are uh, the goshawks and uh, and hawks. Uh, I should try a, a red tail sometime because we have never done that before. But um, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I enjoy the most. But it, uh, it's hard to choose just now. I mean, I'm I'm having so much fun with with the goshawks now and and um, that I, it's difficult. It's a difficult choice. Yeah. Well, and you kind of your uh, your journey kind of started off with Harris Hawks for the most part, right? Yes. 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 And we've been flying Harris Hawks for almost what 16 years now, or something like that. 17, I, be, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, as far as just you know how you got into it and everything i guess just go ahead and and talk about that some and you know i mean if you start off with harris hawks you know just you know let uh let us know basically how you you know got your first experience and uh you know just what what got you into everything yeah um the first talk i have ever saw it was my friend gerardos um uh, i think you interviewed him and he's a he's a really good friend a long like long long life friend and um yeah, I I started going out with with him uh, for like probably six years, and finally I decided I I should get one, you know. But uh, but that by that time we were just running dogs and learning how to like train them and uh, 
just enjoy uh, the field with my friends hawks and I, I used to take a lot of pictures I, that's something I, I also um, enjoy very much you know a photograph uh, it, it's it's kind of like a like a, an amateur thing for me but I, I really enjoyed it so I I would go out there and take pictures of, of my friends hawks and his falconry and our dogs and yeah that's pretty much how I got into it but in, in 2008 I decided I wanted to try one for myself and it was a a lot of fun yeah and up to that point you I think you told me earlier that you had been kind of getting out and just observing and learning for several seasons before that though right yeah it was more or less like six years just going out and taking pictures and running dogs so but by that time by the time I, uh, I actually decided I should try to fly one myself uh, I think was I was already prepared you know because I've seen uh, well, many seasons and uh, many successful hunts and uh, um, even other birds and stuff. So I was I wasn't an expert, but uh, I think I I I had I had a hang of it, pretty much. Yeah, uh, at least you had a good foundation, you know, when you started. Yeah, sure. I, I'm I'm really thankful that I was I was patient, uh, even though if, uh, there was there were mistakes make uh, made by that time, and I still make them and as we were saying we should do a podcast when, <laughs> of uh falconry mess ups uh, <laughs> uh it will be a long long list but uh i mean it's it's good uh learning you yeah know? no i agree and uh you know i think that there's a lot of people that don't think a, a lot beforehand and and that's i think the reason why you know uh systems like the systems that we have in the u.s and stuff work I mean, no system's ever going to be perfect, but works as well as it does under the circumstances because it makes people have to think about it before they can just get right into it. Yeah, I think I was that patience uh, paid up. You know, when when the I really when I mean when I decided to fly a, a hawk, I was fairly su successful. Uh, I, I had a lot of fun, and uh, I want I knew what I wanted to hunt. And I knew places already and people, and I think that um, made things easier for me at that time. Yeah. Well, and, and the earlier part of your life before that, I, I know you had, knew, you had known uh, Gerardo and a lot of these guys, you know, pretty much your whole life. But, I mean, you've had, you know, lots of stints growing up to where it would have made things difficult anyway. I mean, I know you had to kind of go away for school for a couple years and, and things like that too, right? And I mean, they refresh my memory again about your, your early childhood and, you know, you graduated in the U.S., right? I graduated in the, yeah. in the U.S. and Wisconsin and I went to a military academy there. And um, when I got back home, uh, that's when I, when we were reunited and uh, Gerardo was already flying a hard hook and uh, through my other friend, Angel, and his father, we started uh, going out hunting and that was my first uh, uh, outdoor sea kind of like hunting experience you know with them uh, his father is it's a well-known uh dog man and the uh, hunter and he's he's like my our mentor in that kind of area and and by that time uh, uh Gerardo was already hunting so it one thing uh make the other you know and uh we ended up going out and starting seeing each other as much as we did when we were kids and we we were hanging out and flying his falk uh I mean his hawk his hawk and uh yeah it was a lot of fun that was in 2001 
I knew you, you had mentioned that you had, had to go away for school. And, you know, like I said, I mean, you had already kind of seen and been somewhat exposed to, you know, hunting and, and dogs and all that kind of stuff somewhat before all of that. But yeah, I mean, you having to go away for school for a little bit and things like that would have made it impossible to start that young anyway. Yep. So, yeah, it was hard at that, that time. But, uh, and later in life, uh, as we said, um, it was, uh, you know, the adult part of, uh, my, <laughs> my life that, uh, started like getting the way <laughs> and, <laughs> and work and, and my, and some other studies I, I, I did later on in life is when, uh, we took a little pause and, I mean, as we were flying or experiencing falconry, but not as hardcore as we were uh, before or now. Yeah, so you, you got into it a little bit once you got back. And then, yeah, I do remember you saying in a different conversation uh, that you did have to like kind of take another pause for a little bit because you were finishing up a degree or something like that. Yeah, and everything an else, MBA right? I was, yeah. I, was I, I, I enrolled to. Yeah, what was that for again? uh my master's uh, degree of uh, business okay just yeah. just business okay yeah. mm -hmm. gotcha well, not just business but I'm, <laughs> i didn't know if there's another specialty no or, no just yeah. just a regular mba gotcha mm -hmm. okay yeah well and as far as um you know you meant you briefly mentioned and, and kind of touched on you know the dogs and stuff yes, too i know we've had a few conversations about the dogs separately and and basically I know you have several different breeds that you work with and you've tried to, to breed, but I know you're pretty pretty into the Vigilas for the most part also, right? Yep. Nah, I've, I've seen many dogs run and uh, probably most of the breeds that we have, breeds that there are running in Mexico, and uh, I enjoy them all. And I, I mean, I cannot talk anything bad or, or anything like that but, you know, of any of the breeds, you know, but, but the one that really ca uh, makes me crazy it's, it's visualless um for many reasons because um they make things so easy and um they're smooth dogs to run so um when you're flying hawks or falcons i mean you want that you know mm -hmm. you don't want to have uh any fights or anything with your dogs and like ruin stuff i mean it happens also with with a uh, not proper uh, trained dog but uh visualless tend to take it easy and make things happen easily, uh, smoothly. Yeah, I mean, I, I like my two. I wish I would have had more birds the last handful of seasons or so that would have liked bigger dogs, you know, yeah. or, or not been intimidated or just, you know, hated bigger dogs or whatever. Um, I, I, I feel bad for not running my, my one in particular uh, very much. And um, But, I mean, the good thing about them is that you know they're a versatile breed and you know they're also good at home and and everything else and and yeah i'll always have a special place in my heart for that breed too for sure i mean it's hard to get over them <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you're um i mean you're you're pretty much trying to, to breed them and stuff now right yeah we we've been doing it um uh i don't want to say professionally but uh, i think i'm the only one that's registered here in the we try to do it the best way we uh, we can, and um, we've been pretty successful at it. And I mean, it's not that it's like rocket science or anything, but uh, it's fun, and just gotta look into it and be careful with what you're breeding, and uh, be sure that you do not uh, mess up 
and have the right idea and actually pick good dogs for that, you know? So, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, this is our like 17th year doing it. And we have an ongoing program, breeding program that's fairly successful. Yeah. Well, I mean, what originally made you really want to get into the breeding aspect though? Just to keep our, uh, uh, blood pool alive, you know, for, for our hobby. And uh, after that, I mean, I wanted to share the breed in, 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 in the country, you know, because there's so few dogs and, uh, uh, I think they make really good pets and a lot of people love them. And, uh, yeah, just to keep the thing alive and, um, it's not really a business or anything, but, but it's basically that the main reason, you know, to, to have, uh, uh, dogs available to, uh, for the future when you get your dogs older and stuff, you, you really want to keep having options in the, uh, to keep the, the breed alive. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and I know you had mentioned before that it was a little bit more of a, like a personal project just to kind of keep yourself like in a constant stock or whatever. But, uh, mm -hmm. but I mean, there's other breeds that you also try and, and, uh, yeah, and I, we have them. a wire herd dash, dash and, um, uh, I've tried, um, what else for hunting? Uh, well, I've seen many, but I'm, I, I haven't kept any myself, but, um, uh, I've, I've run my friends, uh, English pointers and, um, you know, just regular American, American pointers that they get here and I enjoy them all. I've seen Britannies and, mm -hmm. and, uh, but as far as the ones that you're actually trying to breed. Yeah. No, just, just the dash ones and the Vishlas. Mm -hmm. I, I own a Cane Corso now, uh, but that's, that's, that's just, uh, our guardian dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, um, I, really think that I don't, <laughs> there's there's no way that that there that I would probably ever get into doing that myself I think it's probably a little bit and I'm being it over my head at least at this stage of my life I uh there's a part of me that's tempted to want to maybe try and and uh either stud out our dachshunds at some point or something like that I don't know but the the whole process to me just seems so stressful and I mean, do you get worked up a lot when it comes time to to deliver pups and everything? And yeah, it, it is stressing, especially when uh, well before they they start eating, you know, because it's 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 a lot of work and and yeah, from that particular age, uh, you get a lot of uh, stress uh, with the vaccinations and the the whole duck and tails and uh, you know taking care of the mother and like the whole. Uh, aspect of it is it's kind of stressful but it's also really beautiful because uh, I don't know it's I mean uh, the, the worst part is the cleaning but uh, everything else is just nice you know you, you get to, to carry little puppies and um, it's all, always a lot of joy to have them and see them play and uh, just develop and start seeing them you know like chase, chase birds and stuff like that it's it's it's, it's very amusing so it's it's somehow stressful, but it's it's very uh, something that you get to enjoy, you know. And and it's really nice to see young pups uh, start hunting and stuff like that. Sure, and I know we've talked about this before too, but I wanted to get your, you know, kind of your opinion since you've been 
breeding dogs a while and also have had dogs for, for a while. And two questions, mainly just to get your opinion. When do you think is the best time to get a pup? You know, what, what, like how, how old and I mean, about what, how old do you think they should be if you're going to spay or, or neuter? I've heard this opinion from so many different people and, and dog opinion, dog people opinions are almost just as bad, if not worse than falconer opinions. And yeah, a lot they, of ways, they, they overlap yeah. each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean, I, I just want to get your take on it. The best time to get a puppy, uh, it's uh, eight weeks old because that's the, the perfect time to housebreak him, you know, and, uh, and they're, they're already uh, fully socialized with, with their, uh, peers and like brothers and sisters and mother and um they're not all that energetic by then so you get a chance to housebreak them perfectly um they're a sponge in learning you know they will catch everything up fairly quickly and uh it's easier to deal with a puppy that is not that crazy you know and energetic so at that time i think it's the best time to start their training i mean house training and then just just regular um limits you know like no and their name and like uh easy commands like that and uh as far as uh, the spaying part and or neutering my personal opinion is um that if you can wait until they're fully grown it's 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 great for that because um uh, dogs uh i mean benefit from the, the hormone hormonal phases they go through uh the teen part uh and uh i believe that uh like i believe it firmly that that that's beneficial for them you know for their uh muscles and uh you know the the, the whole body uh development so uh mentally even you know because they really do benef benefit for it and uh, if you do a proper um uh, you know training with them marking and um you know uh, being super territorial shouldn't shouldn't be a, a an issue you know because you've been doing your your part and that is training them and then have them you know have limits mm -hmm. well and, and do you think any of that differs at all from the different breeds as far as like you know the smaller breeds and and stuff because i mean I know for me, we got our one Vigla when, you know, she was eight weeks and, you know, there were still some issues and, you know, granted at that point in time, I was still learning how to be a dog owner and stuff too. And, you know, we did, you know, the uh, socialization and, you know, we also took her to obedience training and things like that just to get her the extra socialization, everything else, this, that, and the other. But I will say that I've noticed a huge difference in like, you know, like when we got our dachshunds, for example, they were like around 13 weeks. And I w was really surprised how big the difference was. And granted, the breeders that I got them from had already been working with them some, you know, with the crate training and, you know, the the, the house training and, and things like that. So we were kind of lucky in that respect. And, but uh, I, I noticed that it seemed like the overall uh, social manners and stuff that they would pick up from mom and things like that. Just the, you know, and siblings and, and, and whatnot seemed to be a little bit more driven home, a little bit more in place, like 
having gotten them a little bit later. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, do you, do you think that there's a, a big difference, you know, with, uh, just, the you know, maybe smaller breeds in particular, like breeds like dachshunds benefiting more from, you know, like staying with, uh, with the mom a little bit longer or something, or. I don't know if it's a breed thing or, well, I mean, yes, it is a breed thing, you know, but, uh, especially, you know, terriers, they tend to be more crazy, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, gun dogs, some of them are, you know, super, uh, birdie and stuff. And, um, and, you know, continental breeds, you know, uh, the German, uh, shorter pointer, uh, the Dratar and, the uh, Vishla, the Weimaraner, uh, they're more relaxed, but I think it has, there's a lot of, uh, particular ingredients in there that, that, uh, shape up, uh, different, uh, demeanors, you know, mm-hmm. um, also every individual is, is, is different, but, um, yeah, I think they can benefit in the pack and having other dogs around and, uh, not being the, the center of attention, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have a couple of dogs and I've seen them, um, respect older dogs, you know, because they, they will teach as well. So yeah, it's, it's beneficial, you know, if you have, uh, other dogs in the house and, and you get a puppy and, um, they, you know, put them in place and, 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 you know, probably, uh, you know, if, if they're not behaving well, that they'll correct that. And so it, it's beneficial, especially when you have well-rounded, uh, dogs with in temperament and they'll help a lot. And yes, that is a thing, but, um, yeah, all breeds are different, but, um, I don't think it's, 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 a an age, age thing or anything. It's, it's about the, uh, how your uh, household is, it's, it's turning up with, uh, different dogs, but, um, I mean, it can very, uh, it, it can be very different in, in between, you know, um, one dog and, or, or another it's, it, even being, um, brothers from the same litter, you know, they, they don't all behave the same or sure. act the same. So, um, yeah, but you can benefit a lot from, from that, uh, uh, exposure to other dogs and especially their mother, which will correct the most. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm just curious to see what your thought was on it. And, you know, no opinion is necessarily right or wrong in, in those regards, but you know, like I said, I, every, everybody has a different outlook on it. So. Yes. Um, but I don't think it's, it's, it's a size issue. It's, it, it, it probably is a, um, uh, an individual thing, you know, uh, there's some dash ones that that should be, more chill or, or crazy or useless are just like that, you know, some are um, dominant and others are shy and, uh, others are, you know, well, well, um, uh, in, in balance. So, um, the thing you got to look at at first is it's, uh, the parents, you know, and then how they, they are, uh, mentally, uh, that's, that's a good indicator of, uh, of how uh, probably the puppies will come out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's something to look into. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's why it's always helpful to be able to, to see the parents. Yes. And, yes. And, yes. That's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, I guess now would be a good time to go ahead and branch over then to, you know, the, the hawking in particular. And, you know, I, I know you wanted to spend a little bit more time, you know, talking a little bit more in depth about, you know, quail hawking in particular, since that seems to be what you do the most and, what, uh, I don't know if it's technically what the most experience you have is or whatever, but you know, as far as it seems to be what you're, you know, into the most. And, um, 
you know, so, I mean, when about during that time, I mean, were you always quail hawking from, from day one when you started hawking or? Yes. That, actually, I, my first, uh, the first thing we ever cut with, with, a with that hawk, it was a, a Montezuma quail. It was a, it was a, a youngster still. Uh, she was, I don't know, like, it was like, a I don't know how to calculate the, their actual growth, but it was a, not a small chick, but it was it was a juvenile, uh, Mern's quail. I mean, and uh, yeah, I was I was lucky enough because I I in my mind I, I already knew I wanted to hug for that and and I, I don't consider my my sex myself an expert, but um, uh, I really enjoy it as you say, and um, it is it is the thing I I like the most uh, since you get to see the dogs work and. Uh, the falcon you know participate in the whole thing so that's that's something that really makes me crazy and want to come back and come and back and back again and yeah yeah well and i know that you have different goals and stuff you know with it but i mean as far as you know just um yeah how many species of quail did you say were in, in mexico uh i think there's 12 uh, I can name them all and we can count them. Well, not all of them because there's a bunch of uh, quail that are not uh, uh, hunting species, you know. Mm -hmm. they're, they're like singing quail or wood quail that they're really hard to see. And uh, there's a couple others that uh, they're not, uh, you cannot have a hunting season. But uh, the ones that we hunt, I mean, let's go from the south, we have the oscillated quail, that it's, it's a, an equivalent of Montezuma's uh, quail. Uh, we have a Yucatan Bob White. Uh, we have many different, uh, many different species of um, Bob Whites, and they're called subspecies. Uh, we have like two in Oaxaca that are different. Uh, one is uh, like a mask Bob White and uh, they, they call it Coyolco Bob White. Uh, we have an endemic species that we were talking about the other day. It's the, the banded quail, the, that it's, it's uh, endemic to the west part of um, central Mexico. We have uh, scalies, scaled quail. We have uh, regular Bob Whites, well, the red Bob White we have up here. Uh, we have, uh, what else? Douglas quail, the Yellingen quail. We have uh, band, um, gambles, valley quail in in north, and mountain quail. Yeah, uh, probably. Uh, and I'm forgetting. There's another kind of bob white that is supposed to be extinct in in Sonora. It's uh, the 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 mask bob white as well. But that's the actual uh, black-headed male that they get it, it's it's a that, that what used to be or is in in some place in sonora um yeah but the, the, i think i named 11 quail that had a, a, a hunting season and uh we have chased almost all of them except for the oscillated the elegant and the yucatan of white okay and the mountain quail that i mean i don't know any place they have it <laughs> but i know they're in Mexico, somewhere in the Baja. Okay. Well, and as far as, you know, just how you go about doing it, I mean, I know it goes without saying you always have a dog, but I mean, is there any particular type of, of different 
method or different way that you like to go about it as far as, uh, you know, that might be different than how we would do it in, in the States or other places would do it or? Well, yeah, I mean, as you said, you need a dog to find them. <laughs> but um, uh, in my experience, the, the, the running quail, the, the, the calle peplas, uh, the, you know, gambles, uh, scalies, and uh, the valley quail, the California quail, uh, I think it's easier to break them up, you know, the, 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 the coveys, and then find them individually. Uh, that is uh, a way I've seen uh, uh, some of my friends do it, and uh, us have, have tried for that, and uh, we've been more successful at it, you know, like breaking the, the covey and then have uh, the dogs point at, at, at those birds that will get in place, I mean, um, set in place, and you can fly them again, and it's easier to to have a point out of those uh, uh, already flown birds. Um, uh, banded quail, um, I don't know, you, you can get a lot of advantage using um, tree logs or, uh, you know, branches and have the, the hawks up there because um, they tend to live in, in really high grassed, brushed areas. And so you can benefit a lot of that of, or using a tea perch because you, you you get that at that particular advantage that you need for the for them to you know for the hawks to get a good start and uh actually have a good uh chase uh with merns the challenge is it's it's uh, the altitude and then the you know that you're in you're hunting in probably open areas or within areas but um the 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 challenge is it's the the climb and the the conditions you're you're hunting for them you know because it's it's they're they're the ones that live at the highest altitude and um so there's little oxygen running there uh, as you have seen in this particular uh part of the country um bob whites uh you need to find the um you know the right grasses for them uh, they they tend to be or use that kind of uh, places to hide and 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 feed um yeah but in in all of them you you benefit the bunch from the dog work, you know, even if it's not the same for one species to another, um, having them, it's, um, very, 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 um, game changing, you know, because otherwise you, you can probably, uh, walk uh, past them and they won't fly or anything. So the dog is, it's, uh, crucial for that particular thing, you know? Yeah, and I mean, for people like me that don't know much about it other than just what I've seen, you know, from watching guys like you and stuff, I mean, I, there's there's a lot of guys, of course, in the U.S. that are very, you know, avid you know, quail, quail hawkers. And, you know, but like I said, I mean, for... It's good to it's good to know the the the, dif the differences in the in the terrain, the type of you know living environment and and things like that because I mean there's a lot of us like where I live there's hardly I mean you you'll stumble upon a a, a, a bob a bob white covey or something every so often but they're not like in mass they're not there's not a lot of coveys and a lot of quail left where like where I live for example anymore and so I mean the the extra education of you know learning you know the different terrain habitat and things for those different species it's it's good to know yeah and um we're fortunate enough to have some places that uh, are what we call a transition area you know where, where you can find uh different 
species in the same area. And then, um, you know, the only uh, species I haven't seen together here in Mexico or, well, I mean, in central Mexico, it's it's um, banded quail and scalies. But all of the others I've seen, um, you know, uh, in, in some particular areas that, that have this convergent um, habitat, you know, like, um, and it's it's interesting to see that, you know, because the dog work is different in in those kind of places, and uh, uh, you know, there's places you can find marine quail and and uh, banded quail. So it's 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 uh, a terrain that's that's I don't know in in, in some uh, way well, weird, you know, because they're tropical birds with um, like mountain kind of quail, you know, and it's it's. It's interesting, and then bobwhites uh, tend to be uh, well in in hot places and or dry places, and uh, that happens uh, also with uh, Montezumas. It's it's weird because you 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 don't always find them in the same places or, or the same habitats, but they they're um, I don't know how to say this uh, uh, many ways in, that you can encounter them, you know, and it's it's interesting to to have it and and to experience that. Uh, uh, differences in between species and how they interact with each other so it's nice yeah because i mean I, I know the other day when we were out hawking um we stumbled upon bob whites while we we're looking for the bandits and mm -hmm. and um yeah and i i can see how it would be kind of you know <laughs> i guess you know it, it could be frustrating in some ways kicking one kind up when you're really wanting to go for the other, but I'm sure that you're not going to complain if you... No, not, not <laughs> ever, but uh, let's let's talk about the, that place. Um, to get a bobwhite there is, it's way more difficult to get it than to get it in, in, the, in, in Querétaro or, or uh, deserted areas, you know, because they have much more coverage, so uh, uh, hunting bobwhites there, it's, it's, it's I mean way harder than hunting them in places where they cannot have uh tall grasses to hide you know and um so it gets gets interesting you know uh those particular hunts are i don't know more gratifying to say uh and um but it's weird and uh, yeah i mean if you if you want to do a quail sum and then you only find buff whites that you already uh caught before and you you were targeting for uh uh, banded quail and then you never saw any yeah it could be frustrating but it's weird uh, because where you're in that kind of places uh, it's easier to get uh, banded quail to fly and uh, bob whites are like a like a like a present you know like like something um, not that common to to encounter so it's 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 interesting yeah well and and just as a an extra little anecdotal you know, side tidbit by, you know, getting a quail slam, don't you mean losing, getting a quail slam bet? <laughs> you want to uh, share that little story? <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that was me running my big mouth and uh, being, uh, you know, uh, overconfident in, <laughs> with, with a hair soap. Yeah, uh, it wasn't a bet. It was, it was more me being stupid and uh, saying that I was going to kill well, not kill, but catch with a Harris hook, a male Harris hook, uh, all four of them in, in one season, and which I did in my first season, but I thought it was 
going to be that easy and never happened. And I had to pay for a brand new Marshall's uh, GPS system for a friend that, <laughs> yeah, he was happy uh, in my defeat. <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, just to clarify, though, wasn't it... Uh... Wasn't it not the season, but in one month or something like that? Nah, he was exaggerating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I was I was overconfident, and uh, yeah, that uh, I, I, that that was a a big uh, mouth shutter <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah, no, well, and like I said, I I know I've I've seen enough of the quail hawking now to to know that. I mean, I think it's cool, it's fun to watch, and everything, but I um I don't think it would be for me just because of the, the super ultra long, you know, slips and, and stuff. But, uh, you know, it's not, it's, it's just, I, I think it's cool. I, I like it, but it's not, it, I don't think I would do it for my personal falconry, but I, I admire you guys' tenacity, especially in this part of Mexico. And, and I mean, when I was with Rodrigo um, last year and was watching him and uh, hunt for scalies. Yeah, yes. and Enrique, and then uh, you know, hunt for for the, for those quail out there. You know, I mean that you're you're right. Like the desert type terrain is is one thing, with the uh, the occasional you know smaller kind of rolling hills and and um, you know the bush here and there and, and stuff like that. But but yeah, I mean, what you guys have to hawk in here with just grass and cover, basically for you know as far as I as the eye can see with uh with the quail hawking and stuff it's uh you know I, I admire you guys' tenacity for having to you know to do it and and wanting to do it because it's tough i mean i mean no quail is easy no i mean not even uh, you know deserted no they they all are challenged and they're, they're they're i mean you have to respect how they uh, are successful and thrive in some areas you know but uh yeah in this part it, it's it's got it if it's difficult to say as it's it should have in it it should happen in in monterey or uh or in the north of mexico and um yeah it, desert quail are super fun as well um i think the challenge there is is to get the hawk used to the those uh big coveys and um you know choose wisely you know what which one he should chase but um yeah exposure will get them going and experience yeah yeah and that goes for almost yeah any kind of falconry. you know yeah falconry as well Fair, yeah. yeah for sure well and is there any other last thing you want to share about quail hawking in particular or well i mean uh, it's 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 interesting uh, but uh, not a lot of falconers uh tend to uh like it you know because it, it's got if it's it's difficulties uh but um yeah i mean it it's nothing that i that i, I can you know like go I mean, well it is something i can go for hours uh talking but uh nothing in particular i think we we've covered uh it very well uh, pretty thoroughly pretty thorough, yeah okay well i guess then this will be a good time to go ahead and and uh transition to you know the, the story time part you know and um and get that you know one or two or get those one or two um you know memorable experiences that you've had and um you know the the ones that really stick out in in your mind as far as those you know the the, the ones you just don't ever forget well uh, i'm gonna say four slips 
the 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 four uh, quail that we cut. Well, it, they were in four, but the four different the four different species that we got with that particular herzog would be nice to cover because, I mean, we can describe a little of each hunt. The first one it was in Puebla, Mexico. That uh, it's, we were hunting for uh, Montezumas, and uh, we were. Uh, uh, running our dogs in this hill where, where there were some um, eucalyptus trees, you know, they were tall with branches and all. And uh, those kind of uh, areas are good for uh, hawking because those uh, trees tend to uh, be good enough for the light to come through and, and uh, it's good for Montezumas. Um, suddenly we, we had a, a dog point and the covey uh, rice and we had a nice downhill slip and we cut a, a female montezuma in puebla mexico so that was that was memorable for me uh, we were with friends and it was all happiness after that uh our bob white we we cut it in querétaro which is a state north of uh where we are now it was in this place uh, uh, where there were some cornfields and some wheat fields, uh, we we get to when when they plant that, those areas, we have uh, little spaces in between, you know, the, the 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 corn and the wheat where there's tall grasses and all, and then then we had a a quail point there. It was a flatland, and uh, we were lucky enough to make a good slip. It was a long slip. It was like probably I don't know, like four hundred meters. And uh, the the hawk cut his a male uh, bob white under some cacti, so it was interesting to get get him out. And uh, <laughs> but um, luckily, my friend Gerardo, which is who is much smaller than I am, he crawled in <laughs> and grabbed my hawk, and it was all fun. Uh, and uh, I got to do the the happy dance because he didn't get any quail that day, <laughs> so it was fun. We 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 shared a rabbit that day, and we kept on going, and it was it was nice. We were kind of like competing and and all, and it was, it was all fun. Uh, the first scalia I, I ever hunted, it was in in a place called San Miguel de Allende. It's another state in central Mexico. It's 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 called Guanajuato. This place we were hunting. Well, this particular time we were hunting for uh, jack rabbits, rabbits, and um, uh, this cavi, uh, you know we encountered uh, they fl they flew uh pretty pretty fast and this particular quail seek cover in this um depression you know the, that they were under some mesquite uh, or i mean we such a thing with this very pointy uh plant that has a lot of like spines and stuff mm -hmm. and uh my friend gerardo i mean bernardo who, who is uh, gerardo's brother he he's like oh you caught it you well you're hot caught it and he he crawled in as well and, <laughs> and he was waiting there for us and he was taking pictures and, and all and that was like super happy because basically that was the first uh scale we we saw with that hawk so i, I got lucky <laughs> uh and uh, uh i mean the last quail we we got to hawk and uh to to catch was the the banded quail with that with that uh in his first season it was uh, in a place called Tonatico uh, Estado de Mexico which is in the same state that we are now but it's, it's just to the south more or less uh, 
the place was uh as the one we went on tuesday uh tall grasses and you know that kind of uh geography and uh we were uh running the dogs uh, in a place where there was a big old tree uh probably it was a, a eucalyptus tree as well and the hog perched on that tree and then we flew a cubby next to a big uh water body and um the the hawk started the chase and then he cut it um i don't know a few meters off where we were standing but we were uh with the, the grass up on uh, on our chests because <laughs> it was still green and uh yeah really challenging but it was really really nice and uh that was the way i was lucky enough to get that central mexico quail slam and um we I was very happy and probably overconfident for later <laughs> hawks, you know, in life. But um, yeah, we're pretty close now with with, with our female goshawk, and uh, the only one that we haven't been able to catch is is uh, the banded quail that we tried. But apparently, uh, we will have to wait a little longer. <laughs> well, fair enough. And yeah, I mean, like I said, I it sounds like you've you've had a lot of really cool experiences doing it, and. Um, you know, I know you'd mentioned before that if you, you know, had to choose between the two, um, you know, you'd probably still always go back to kind of like the old reliable, you know, Harris Hawk over the, the Goshawk probably. But I know you, you've been really enjoying the Goshawks lately. Very much. If if life turns harder, I'll go for Harris Hawks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that, that will be a, uh, a turn, um, you know, in, in, in my decision, you know. It, it depends on the time I, I have to to do it. Mm -hmm. But right now you're you're enjoying the uh, the excipitrine, you know, sh the shooting off the off the glove and and pursuit after exactly you know, it's, more it's... so than the Harris Hawks, right? Pretty much, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, cool, man. Well, I guess we can go ahead and and kind of wrap up then and and get your final uh, thoughts or words of wisdom that you you may want to uh, you know pass on to to other people and and things like that and and we'll go ahead and call it good on that probably okay don't run your mouth <laughs> uh, don't make stupid bets <laughs> and uh, yeah that's my first uh uh you know <laughs> piece of advice uh, yeah just as i i think uh, don't be impulsive <laughs> overall and uh don't jump in, into things without having good thought and being well prepared and and yeah if be always committed and try to make the the time for it you know that's that's something that every falconer should have and know uh, especially the ones that are starting um yeah they need to be uh patient uh not impulsive and um committed with spare time to to enjoy falconry yeah and it's been mentioned many, many times before, but it's another one of those things that I've said a hundred times. You can't mention it enough. You know, don't have the time to do it properly. It's probably best that you either wait a little bit longer or, you know, take a season off or whatever. You know, it's don't not... Don't do it at all. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, just wait until the right time again. And I think it's a good note to end this um, this trip on. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it's it's going to be um, it's gonna be a bummer having to... Um, you know, miss out on uh, seeing some of this stuff in person again for a while. Although I think my sinuses will will, will lighten Thank, me yeah. more for it <laughs> for at of least course. a little while. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man. Um, you know, I, and I I've already told uh, Gerardo. I've already told Jerry that you know there's there's not 
I can't thank you guys enough for, for everything that you've done for me this week. It's, uh, I wouldn't have been able to do this without uh, other people in the, in the community who are willing to just take in people and, and, you know, show people, you know, a, a good time and, um, you know, just, uh, give people a chance they don't even know or hadn't even met. And, you know, it's a gamble on, on, on all fronts because, <laughs> you know, know you, but, but, uh, but I'm, I'm glad it's worked out and, and, um, you know, I'm very thankful for the, uh, friendships such as you guys that I've, that I've made in, in falconry. And, um, you know, I, I, I can't say enough about, uh, you know, like I said, uh, the Mexican hospitality and, and everything that I've experienced the last couple of times that I've been here. And, you know, like I said, thank you. Thank you again so much. Oh, thank you for having us and uh, just putting up with our <laughs> stuff here. And um, yeah, I mean, we we really enjoyed it. And uh, be sure you have friends here and uh, a place to stay every, anytime you want to come down and enjoy. Well, I'll always keep it in mind. And, um, you know, likewise, you need to uh, to come up and see some Southern Indiana dirt hawking sometime. For sure. You know, sometime in the near future. Let me get a visa. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Well, like I said, thanks again. And uh, we'll hang out a little bit more before I have to take off in the morning. Sure. All right. Okay. All Perfect. Right. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you.